Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? Cannot complain. Yeah. Um, well, you know, besides all the usual shit, but yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I'm not Ted Cruz's poodle. That's all I know. Uh, <laughs> what is that the next person to get blamed for something <laughs> no they just left that poor little dog in the house on his sojourn to cancun bro. so they just let the dog in the house bro alone. yeah i guess they had I, i'm assuming they had somebody to come in and look after the dog but you know it's not a good look bro yeah so who knows? Who knows when we're recording this or when this is coming out? But like y'all know, Ted Cruz is trash, and the GOP is trash. That's all I had to say. I'm sorry. I'm just and as I'm just saying, so many of those kids. I mean, yeah, so yeah. you do, you know, and whatever. You're tired, but ooh, okay. Who yeah. are you? <laughs> I'm Otto, and who are you? I'm Kwaku, and this is Radio Zamunda, the dope shit. Yes, sir. Every time. All um, right. So I am excited. Uh, you have you have been on a streak mm. of experiences and people and stuff. Um, so uh, there was an opportunity to bring this being uh, right. on on onto or into the conversation, mm -hmm. and um, I think I think you're going to find this interesting. There's some uh, there's some connections. That Very you're good. You're going to make. Be surprised. Mm -hmm. um, we, and it's been a while. We might even get an auto scream. Got it. Got it. Maybe. All right. We'll see. Maybe. We'll see. I'm not making any promises, guys. I'm not making any promises, but yeah. you know, there's there's a chance. Yeah. There you go. Happen. So. <laughs> um. So I guess. Do you want to just you want to just dig in? Let's just do it. Okay. Cool. All right. All right. All right, um, let's kick this off. I'm going to, and since everybody's wearing glasses, I'm going to, um, I'm going to ask the person with guitars and books in their background, who are you? I'm Otto, and who are you? My name is Kwaku, and this is Radio Zamunda, the... Dope. Shit. Yes. And we, I'm very, I'm so excited. I'm so excited because, um... We have an amazing person joining our conversation today. Um, Otto, I'd like you to meet my good friend, Tony Simmons. What's up, sir? What's up, man? How you doing? I cannot complain. How are you? Good. good. Where, where are you based? I'm, trying, I'm out in uh, I'm trying to tell from your room. I can't, I can't see it. <laughs> I'm out in Brooklyn. Oh, you're on man. Oh, hold yeah. on, Tony. Tony, so yeah. hold on, hold on. One second. <laughs> Come on. We have a bit of a thing that we do. Uh-huh. Um, as we introduce our guests, um, we like to play a little bit of a game in the beginning of, of the of the um, of the uh, the conversation. Before we even get into this, the way this whole thing works, I know you've heard it before, but I don't want you to tip off anything. The way this whole thing works, Otto and I have been friends for a really long time. 
um, and we, you know, started off as acquaintances and realized our families knew each other. Um, and we would always connect over music and art and all these things. And, and one day, one of my friends, my friend Megan was like, oh, you guys should, you know, you should have a podcast. She just was in a room listening to us talk the way we normally would. And so we were, we would start, we started doing it. And we we're like, oh, we're going to make it around records or, or like artists or whatever, you know? Um, and then, uh, we were talking one day and then we realized, oh, you know what we can do? we instead of uh you know having the podcast where we introduce like a, a song or a movie or something to each other we're going to introduce really amazing people that we know that are just doing dope things that are just fantastic mm-hmm. and inspiring um i couldn't find anybody today so i asked no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> you didn't go there i was bouncing I, I saw it in your face <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so um, that's basically the foundation of this. And and so Otto knows nothing about you. So when I said to you, hey, Tony, we don't prep. Mm. This was a big part of it. And right. so I didn't prep either. So. Good. <laughs> Which is why I'm going through this. Um, and so we prefer to think of this as more of like a, a conversation between friends. And then let's say you're meeting up with your friend to have a drink. And then they're like, oh, my, my good buddy's coming through. You're really going to like him. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And so Atta will learn about you through this mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. Not learn about um, Atta. So exactly. yes, exactly. And I'm so great for you to know, um, you know, Brooklyn is my heart. That's where I was born and raised. Oh, so you're, oh, wow. you're sharing a lot. Okay, because, <laughs> so, because hold on, hold on, Tony. The game is he has to guess what you do. Oh, okay. So I mm-hmm. think I can give away it. You know, no, no, you haven't given no, you haven't given it away. Hey, away. Yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> yep, yep. No, it's cool. I mean, you know, we we allow hints and mm-hmm. like I'm sure mm-hmm. you're studying your background. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that woman mm-hmm. on Instagram? Leslie, the one from uh, Sinai Live who rates everybody's background. Leslie Jones. Yes, he's he's doing mm-hmm. a Leslie Jones thing to you right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. We're looking at your background. He's looking for clues. He gets three guesses, and and the the key to this also is that Otto loves to cheat at this game. Oh, so he's mm-hmm. already found a way to cheat. Mm. Right, 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 right. Basically, this is what he does because somehow mm-hmm. he just picks out answers out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, with that being said, that's why I didn't want you to really get into it yet. We're going to get into it. Um, but with that being said, uh, we're going to kick this off with Otto um, attempting to guess what it is you do. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can give him okay. yes or no's. Until after, until after he gets all three guesses wrong, then you can explain it to him. <laughs> okay, okay. So my first guess is accountant. <laughs> I laugh. No. Okay. You said accountant. I said accountant. Yes. <laughs> okay. My second guess then, my second guess um, is a um, a barista at um, a, a good coffee shop. If you mean my kitchen, yes. <laughs> okay, that's one. Okay. That's okay. interesting so, guess um, that, though. Isn't it, right, right. Isn't it interesting mm. guess that? See, that's what I'm saying about him cheating. So I don't, uh-huh. even, I don't even give him names usually. Like, that is crazy. This is good. I'm yeah. Feeling okay. It. My third guess and the last guess, trumpet player. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. he thinks he's slick. <laughs> <laughs> So, is is that how I take care of myself and my family in terms uh-huh. of meeting our basic needs? Mm-hmm. But I had a conversation with a very, very good friend a number of years ago, 
and and I was she asked me, you know, um, if I'm in heaven and God were to ask me who I was, right? It was a really penetrating question. I said, I thought about it. I said, trumpet player. Mm. So um, yeah, you know, you you, you may mm-hmm. see trumpets behind me, but that's a whole yeah. other story. And mm. um, but I I appreciate that. See, I, w- I was trying to play the, the game slickly, right? I, obviously, I knew you were not a, a barista um, or nor an accountant. But when I describe what I'm seeing is I see this dope dude, got the cool glasses, got the Caesar haircut. He's got a, 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 a T-shirt with a, it looks like a vocalist, like the silhouette of a vocalist. He's got trumpets, which are my favorite jazz instrument in the background. So I thought... You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little okie doke, pretend to be dumb, and then come in with the booyah. But it looks like I was close, but no cigar on this. So hey, another way of putting it, you are mm-hmm. some bullshit. Okay. <laughs> that's that's cool. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, I, I went I went with it, and I appreciate you know your your process, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, I mean, you know. You nailed it at the end. So where do we go now? All right. So Tony, what I what I think what I think would be great, you can tell him what you do now, and then we're gonna talk about how you got there. Mm. Sure, 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 sure. So um, you know, I'm here because you know, I I'm a fan of your podcast. And what ah. and one of my my best friends who happens to be my work partner, mm-hmm. a guest on your show. Oh, is it my dude from uh, Minnesota? Um, what's that cast name? Um, damn. Um, the dude who work with Prince, that, that, that cat. Oh, what's his name? Damn. What's his name? T- uh, Milan, TC Milan. <laughs> no, I'm wrong. You got the first part, right? <laughs> I give you two more guesses. No, I'm <laughs> no. TC Ellis. TC Ellis. Ellis, my mm-hmm. man. TC Ellis, and yeah. so you know, I've been his his thought partner and, and creator, co-creator with him, um, helping him realize his vision. Wow. Studio Four, High School for Recording Arts. So wow. You know, my title is executive director. Well, congratulations and welcome, sir. Man, I cannot wait out so many questions, but I could I just cut you off because I get excited on this and I'm like, oh, you do what? Okay, let's talk. Okay. Yeah. yeah that was good, Mark. You did you did good. Well, I'm, I'm like, how did you get together so quickly? <laughs> well, there's a, a there's, disappointed. <laughs> there's a purple curtain in the back too, so I should have been clued on to the prince part because it looks purple and I'm like, hmm. So, okay. I'm impressed. I'm really, man, he's always cheating. I don't know how he knows this. <laughs> wow. Wow. Like, that was too fast. All right. So, yes, Tony is partners with TC and mm-hmm. for Recording Arts. <clears throat> While TC had an interesting journey to get to that place, um, which I'm sure you remember, you know, mm-hmm. you were kind of shocked about mm-hmm. his relationship with Prince. Tony who is his partner, uh, you know, lifelong friend, has also gone through an interesting journey to get to the place where he's at. 
mm. um, with with the school and life, all of that. And so, at this point, Tony, and this is this is I know one of my favorite parts, and Otto's as well. This is where we sort of discuss um, your your journey, um, and we like you know or we sort of open it up to guests to start. Um, where they want to start. Usually we were always, I mean, there's a big piece of, of me that's always really curious. Where were you born? How did you, how did you develop your interests? Um, you already shared that you're from the BK. This is where you were born. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, we like to say, you know, we like to say to, to the guests, talk, uh, share as much or as little as you feel comfortable sharing, but, um, you know, take us back, take us back in the day, back to Brooklyn, man. And where did, where did this all start for you? It all began at Kings County Hospital. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, and in, in Great Borough of Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the son of Shirley uh, Seacott and James Simmons. Mm -hmm. uh, my father came up from the South, from Virginia. Um, he fought in the Korean War, then he came to New York and he became a police officer in the late 1950s. What? Yes. He was the he was the first black police officer at his precinct at Coney Island. In and, Coney Island of all yes. Wow. And you know, as a young kid, you know, obviously anybody who knows anything about Brooklyn, Coney Island, if you're a kid, that's like magic. That was that was the I wouldn't say the hood Disneyland, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, you got the hook up, man. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, so I remember as a little kid going with my mom and getting on all these rides. And I remember, you know, she never would pay. And I would be like, mom, why don't you pay? And it was like, well, everybody knows your dad because he's the, he's the officer. <laughs> they like him, they just let us on the rides. I was like, oh, wow. But the flip side of that story um, was that, you know, being a first black police officer in the late 1950s, early 60s, you could imagine, he dealt with just horrific harassment yep. mm -hmm. from his fellow, you know, officers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he had a, he had a hard time with that. And um, my mom was a homemaker, just beautiful spirit. Um, and really just devoted her life to raising me upright. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went to, just to kind of get into the story that led me here, you know, obviously it starts with them and and, and the upbringing that they gave me. Mm -hmm. and, um, I should say, you know, I'm a child of the 60s and music then was just incredible. You know, mm -hmm. I, just, I just had the classics, you know, the, the, the jazz era, swing era, the crooners, mm -hmm. the, the, you know, Motown coming up, uh, R&B. You know, it's just this beautiful tapestry of music. Right. And I remember, um, you know, I grew up really, you know, just even though we didn't have a lot, you know, it was just community. It was right on Eastern Parkway we lived on. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember when I went to kindergarten, kind of afraid. I remember all these things, you know, kind yeah. of afraid, like, you know, life is just good. And I was like, oh man, leaving my mom, going to school, what's it gonna be like? And back then in kindergarten, uh, we just played. Yep. It was just like, you know, yeah. there was, okay, we would play. I was like, okay, this works. <laughs> <laughs> I don't buy this, but then, you know, when I hit first grade and 
the, the desk appeared, you know, with the teacher in the front, <laughs> blackboard and all that. And I was like, I'm not going to this. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> right, right. It was back to the other room. <laughs> yeah. Back to the other room. And, and I don't know. And again, remember as, as, as clear as, yes, if it were yesterday, you know, just feeling a sense of not being into that space. Um, I wasn't a bad kid like TC. TC was bad. <laughs> well, he was bad. You know, he was the kid that would get sent out of class, to, sent to the principal's office. I wasn't that kid. Right. You know, I sat compliant, but I was like day drinking. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, but make bring put a put a period to this part of the story. Second grade was just as bad. Third grade was going just as bad until one day my my teacher who happened to be all white women, which was fine. Mm. They were, they were, they were, you know, they did their jobs and they cared about us as best they could understand, you know, how it's coming into a community of black and brown people, you know, mm. and, um, mainly being, you know, um, you know, from outside of the community. Right. They did okay. But, you know, I wasn't understanding it in that sense, but mm. I did feel like, you know, the neighborhood that I was coming from, from, I didn't see that in the school. Mm. I, you know, the feeling wasn't there until one day my teacher said, okay, we're going to have, we're going to start teaching you guys music. Mm. And we have someone coming in, Mr. Charles Williams, who's going to be your music teacher. Mm -hmm. and, and through that door was this tall, handsome, African-American male mm -hmm. walk in with just, you know, like, it was like the, like you know, all the lights were fog. Yeah, <laughs> and he had this cardboard box of these plastic flutophones, right? Mm. And, oh, yeah. uh, and he passed it out to us, and he said, "I'm going to teach you guys music." And mm. I was like, "Wow!" You know, I just I had never hadn't seen anyone that looked like him in, right. like, you know, in, in my four four years of public education up to that point. He wow. was a man who came in and literally transformed my life. Mm. From flutophone, um, it's while still in third grade, he introduced us to instruments and mm -hmm. started playing the trumpet and he started this band and we started playing jazz and we were making this beautiful noise. And it was like, that literally was the beginning of me finding some place and, and, and connection to school that brought me to the point I'm at now. Oh, hold wow. on, I'm gonna. It's funny that you 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 tell the story this way because I was literally Mr. Williams for ten years. Oh, mm. I, don't know if you, I don't know if you know this, but I was a music. And you teacher. are tall and good looking. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was going most for, mostly for the music, piece, but I appreciate that. Uh, but I was I was an elementary school music teacher for ten years, and so I was the guy who would come into the classroom. Wow. A box of instruments. That is so cool. And Harlem and Bed-Stuy and Brownsville, where most of the other staff did not look like me. Yeah. Yes. That's and so it's, it's funny that you're, because we've never talked about this. Um, anyway, Otto, I think you had a question. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I, I, I think um, one of the one of the themes, especially lately in Radio Zamunda, is like the those moments are usually, there's always some teacher that comes in that you that the person that that introduces the person to something that they did not know was possible 
Um, and so I just want to give a shout out to teachers, first of all. But um, and, and I guess in with Radio Zamunda, I'm like really interested in that that moment, if there is like what was it like if you because you're saying you remember it all and what your 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 memories are so vivid i just want to dig in a little bit more but what was when when was it mr charles williams when he walked in the room and he put that um fl flutophone in your hand was it instant was it like oh my god or what was that like if you can give us more color on that it was instant mm. it, it, it connected me to something aspirational so mm. all, of that, all of that music that I heard in my house and my father had a beautiful singing voice and you mm -hmm. know, kind of time I would just hear him singing and just, you know, my aunties and uncles and cousins when we get together and the music. And, mm -hmm. and so what I'm saying that, you know, school wasn't reflecting that. Right. That first moment of literally just him, his embodiment just being who he was and the connection in that sense to putting something in my hand that even though I knew it was, you know, it was a nascent step towards the, that can, that full connection to the music that I um, was just, you know, uh, referencing, um, it was in my mind, a definitive step. It was like, you know, I'm going to be that person. I'm right. going to be that person that I hear in those records. I'm mm. going to be that, you know, um, um, work towards the voice that I hear from my father. I'm going mm -hmm. to, you know, I'm going to have that same kind of opportunity to contribute to the spirit that I feel when I'm with my family and we're all together and we're having a good time. It was right. like, I knew it was the first step of that journey mm. and everything to me. Right. And was it that um, when before you met this teacher, and you mentioned the music and your, your father's voice. Did you ever think of yourself like maybe I want to learn music or was it just something in the atmosphere that you just loved? And then as soon as Mr. Williams put the instrument in your hand, you're like, oh, I can do this. It was the latter. It was definitely just in the mm -hmm. atmosphere because, you know, um, um, we didn't have instruments in our house. Mm -hmm. Like my father was a musician in, a, in, in, in that sense of him, like, focused on, okay, I'm going to teach you this, you know, this is something I'm going to pass down, you know, it's just always in the background, but it, but it moved me. And, right. and, um, and so, you know, when that opportunity came, it was, it, it was just part of that kind of just connection to it. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling for it. Mm. That's beautiful. That, oh man. Okay. Yeah. So I, yeah, I get those chills every, every once in a while because I, I, well, all the time, because I, I always call it like the constellation of events that lead you to a certain place where I always think, okay, what if there wasn't uh, Mr. Charles Williams, you know, what would have happened? Would you have still been connected in music in some way? Would have come some other way? Is there like a destiny for you? Or is it just random chance that this guy happened to be walking into your school as a music teacher? All of those connections are what I, I absolutely love. And I don't have an answer for any of that. Um, so projecting forward now you said you guys started playing music and together so was it just sort of like almost like a fait accompli where you um you start how how did the music learning 
take place? Like, obviously it was in class, but was it something that you started to do after school with Mr. Williams and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. How did that come How from? did it progress from there? Yeah. Okay, you guys ready? This is yeah. Oh, uh, oh I'm ready. <laughs> so, Mr. Williams, Charles Williams was a well-known um, local jazz artist, mm-hmm. and he had some national fame. I, I, I really can't recall, but he was well-known within New York City. He was a mm-hmm. saxophone player. Um, you know, he you know gigged that night, and um, and he had some albums out because I remember when you know when I told my parents. And, you know, they began to, you know, search for his music and I had his album at the house, wow. you know, so that was, that was like, whoa, you know, that was yeah. really cool. But, you know, for him, it was really serious. He was like, you little third graders, you're going to learn some music. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're going to learn to read, I'm going to put some instruments in your hands and we're going to. You know, we're going to take on some Miles Davis. You know, we're going to take wow. on. And, and he was serious. And I remember our first concert, it might have by then, it might have been in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where my parents came and, you know, the whole auditorium thing. And we were playing, I, I, I'll, I'll never forget, we were playing Sonny. Sonny. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I know it had to sound like beautiful noise <laughs> because yeah. they're four graders. Sure. But it was still like we were feeling ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you couldn't tell us anything. It was like yeah. we were playing some music. Yeah. And from there, I became a serious trumpet player. Mm-hmm. So um, just to kind of connect it to my family, <clears throat> my father died in a car accident when I was eight. Oh, I'm so- and, oh wow. I'm sorry. Yeah, and my mom remarried about a year and a half later to a educator. And mm-hmm. my assistant principal of my school. That's a whole other story. I wow. How we have, but that's, that's a classic story I usually Tony, don't worry about the clock. We, yeah. we, we can handle that on our end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll, I'll come back to that. Okay. Right. I, I want to stay within the theme because that... that that takes a little bit, but um, my point was that we, uh, you know, my mom was a homemaker. My father died tragically, you know, and um, Mr. Samuel Perkins, who was my assistant principal, kind of swooped in and mm. kind of like, you know, uh, just grabbed us up and yeah, and brought back stability into our family. Right. We moved to. Queens, you know, we moved on up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> moving to like another planet, right? <laughs> right? Right, We got, you know, we went from a tenement walk up to a house, you know, with a backyard, right? Got it. Like, Whoa, you know, this was yeah. cool. And, um, and you know, he was just a beautiful, beautiful, I call him my other father, not my, mm. my stepfather. And, um, so I went to junior high school in Queens, and they had a great. Um, music program and a great music teacher, um, Mr. Fishbaugh. And you remember when public schools had great music programs? You know, that's, that's how it doesn't talk about. And, you know, I, I don't know how it was in other places, but then New York City Public Schools did such an incredible job mm-hmm. music program, mm-hmm. programming. And um, 
it, it wasn't even just in terms of like the teachers and the instrument introduction to instruments and lessons in that sense. But I remember, you know, um, Juilliard and, and um, you know, Philharmonic opera, you know, um, jazz artists, ballet yeah. coming into our schools all the time. Yeah. You know, you know Lincoln Center, you know, we and obviously our field trips to all of the great cultural museums and, and such. Um, I, it was just kind of like a golden era I know. And I and I think it leads to when those programs started to get cut back, mm -hmm. I think that richness led to the birth of hip hop. I believe that there was mm. a definite connection to that exposure and mm. what you know we, because I'm gonna get into that, we were able to contribute in terms of the birth of that that culture. Tony, Tony, yeah. I have to say this, I say this a lot. I think Otto, I've said this to you before. The real godfather of hip hop is Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Jay Z wouldn't. He wouldn't argue with you. You cut those programs after school. That creativity needs to go somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. And it was, a, and it, it was the, the the development of it up until that point was rich, right? Um, in terms of the exposure we had, and it wasn't just coming from New York City public schools. It was coming from you know, cult, you know, popular culture in terms of the richness of music and what was happening in terms of, you know, um, um, you know, the family dynamic and being immersed in that and, and enjoying it and being able to, you know, love it. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I started playing and by then I was getting good. I, mm -hmm. I, I was like, we had the Band. I was the first trumpet and mm. I started taking lessons mm. and um, my mom um, <laughs> found a teacher for me. <clears throat> God, what was his name? Cy Sugar, something like that. But he lived, he lived in Howard Beach. I'm not sure how she got his name. Right. But we used to, go, so we lived in Laurelton mm -hmm. and kind of like part of Jamaica, Queens. You grew mm -hmm. up in Laurelton? I grew up in Laurelton. Yeah. I have a, I have a really good friend from Laurelton. Do you really? Yes, I do. Yep. Carlton and, um, a lot of hip hop history there as well. Oh, tremendous. I know we're going to get there, but yeah, sorry. Please continue. Yeah. I cut yeah. I feel, you know, oh, Five yeah. Biggie, R.I.P. Yeah. Yes. So we would, <laughs> we would go out to trumpet lessons in Howard Beach and just another New York story. Um, I would wonder why I would see like all these little white kids that's been driving from Howard Beach with their like middle finger in the air. At them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, until I until the first rock was thrown at the car, you wow. know. And I'm like, and my mom was like, "Oh yeah, Howard Beach is like they don't like black folks out here." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, okay. And it was probably one of my first real experiences. You know, I said what my father had gone through. You know, I had. Been isolated from that. That was like my first experience of real, like, animus and hatred mm -hmm. know, for, for being. And um, and he, but he was a good he was a good teacher. Yeah, <laughs> he wanted to come out to him and everything. So we were driving to drive past those spots. Really Damn, <laughs> you know, get the lesson in and come back. Yeah, Damn. drive through a war zone to get some lessons. That's dedication. And. Um, they lucky none of those rocks in those cars. My mom was yeah. a joke. She would have gotten out and done something. Oh, your mom was about that life. I love it. I love it. 
<laughs> but anyway, uh, then I went to August Martin High School and we had a phenomenal music program there as well. And, um, and then I joined the All Queens Jazz Band. Um, mm. Najee was in my school, in my band at August Martin when I was there. Um, wow. And we used to um, go gig, you know, like um, um, jam at Rochdale Village and Tom Brown, you know, famous trumpet player. Yeah. Punk and all of that, you know, you know, we would do like jam sessions. And it was just, you know, music was just my life. Wow. Like I said, you know, <clears throat> You know, I was always did at least the minimum I could do to get through school. And social, mm -hmm. I, I really excelled at social studies. I really liked that math, science. I, I, I loved uh, some parts of science. I wasn't into math at all. But mm -hmm. Music is what got me every single morning, mm. third grade, all the way until I went to college. It was about yeah. music. It's ironic too that you're so into music and you weren't into math, because you know, I mean, at a certain point, you're, I mean, uh, whether you're doing inversions or whatever, it's, it's algebra. Well, I, I think you know. Um, so we're, you know, high school programs. We we do a lot of things in in, in a learner centered way. Math is not learner centered. <laughs> it was basically, you know, the sage on the stage, you know, with their one approach towards it. And if you fell behind, too bad. Right, right. And, 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 and that was the problem. And so, you know, for me, I, I needed a different approach. I, I hear what you're saying. I know I could have uh, made the connection. Or, or the teachers could have helped you make the connection. And that's what I really meant, yes. And, but that never happened. Mm. So, so that was a lost opportunity. But uh, but nevertheless, uh, you know, for me, music uh, provided me, you know, all the currency I needed to get through and to be able to uh, go into college and find my, uh, my other trajectory towards, you know, what I'm doing now. Right. And when you were when you were like jamming in Queens and all that stuff, so you're about high school age then you're like, let's say 13, 14, 15, you're going out to Queens or you're 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 jamming in clubs and stuff like that. How did your mom and your stepdad feel about that? Were they cool with it or were they like, why are you going out? So I mean, because jazz cats, you know, that's three o'clock in the morning before they get started. Right. <clears throat> um, well, they actually had some programs like kind of after school, like uh -huh. things going on at still and, and so I wasn't really ever out late 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 mm -hmm. a couple of times maybe towards as I was a senior um there were a few instances where I I did and I went to some recording sessions but you know definitely not because I was already driving by then mm. I got my license the second I could get my license and, yeah you know, my father um, passed me down a car and so I was driving. I was, you know, always in the city doing things. At the time I was a senior, senior. So, mm -hmm. so you know, I had a little bit of freedom and little, mm -hmm. you know, little bit of a ability to get around. And you know, all my friends would hop in the car with me, and some of them had cars. You know, we would, you know, we did our thing and, right. and took advantage of that. Um, I tell you a funny story. So I was in all Queens jazz, and mm -hmm. it, was, it was sponsored by New York City. 
I guess the New York City um, Mayor's Office and Con Edison. <clears throat> and, you know, audition for it and everything. And we played at this gig. It was this fancy reception that Con Edison sponsored and it was to open up the, um, the tennis stadium um, at the time. I'm not sure if they called it the um, Arthur Ashe Stadium. Or, oh, yeah. yeah. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that was before it was Arthur Ashe, probably. Yeah, I think it was, it was before it was Arthur Ashe. It had another name. I can't right. remember what it was. Mm. But anyway, so we're playing, you know, um, we were good. Yeah. <laughs> we were just like, just jamming. So yeah. all of a sudden, this um, elderly, um, beautiful African-American woman comes up to me um, afterwards. And she said, um, son, can I talk to you? And I was like, oh, yes, yes. She said, um, I really enjoyed your playing. And, and may I look at your trumpet? I said, sure, sure. And she said, oh, it's so beautiful. She said, my husband's trumpet looked just like this. And, um, and now that helped me remember what the name of the stadium and I said, oh, okay. She said, yeah, well, keep playing, keep doing it. She said, and then oh, my, I know who. And then my, my band leader came. My, she said, do you know who you were just talking to? I was like, uh, no, she was really nice though. She said, you're talking to Mrs. Louis Armstrong. I knew you were going to say that. Yo, I knew you were going to say that because as soon as you said, oh, the stadium, then I remember what the stadium was and then I remember who you must have been talking to. Damn. Man, I, was like, hey. I was like, what? <laughs> and, and the funny part about it is I had this beautiful, ornate Selma trumpet. Mm -hmm. like and I remember when I wanted to, uh, I, I wanted to get a new trumpet when I was in high school and things were, you know, things were really building up with my playing. We went out to, uh, um, what's it, Sam M's Gin Nobby's? It's, it's a famous music store in, in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And my whole, my mom was ready to buy me a brand new trumpet. Mm. Looking at these new trumpets. And then the salesman said, look, I got this um, used trumpet, but it's beautiful. Let me just show it to you. Right. She brought it out. And opened the case, I was a kid, like, <laughs> I want that trumpet. He's like, yes, this is this is beautiful, and, and it costs a little bit more. My mom, right. okay, you know, she, she 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 put down the ducks and um, and got it, and that was the trumpet that I'm not saying that was the the, the trumpet that Louis Armstrong had, but that right. was, that was the model of it that she can you know she observed and yeah. gave me that that memorable beautiful experience of connecting with her. Wow. Now, now, um, because I, I've grown up listening to jazz and uh, a lot of my favorites are the, uh, the trumpet players, um, but I, I have a sort of long history of listening and loving jazz. Who were your influences at that age? I mean, obviously it seems Louis was, and you mentioned Miles. Yeah. 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 I loved Freddie Hubbard. I love Freddie Hubbard. Yeah. Freddie That's Hubbard. what we bonded over. Tony, mm -hmm. when I first met you, you asked me who my favorite trumpet player was. And I was like, you know, I like Miles, but Freddie Hubbard, man, he, he's kind of sneaky. Do you remember yeah. that? <laughs> Freddie Hubbard was a beast. Yeah. He, you know, he just um, has so much um, just energy and power in his playing, yet he was just so, so uh, technically, you know, proficient. But you know who else I really got to love? And that happened a little later, but I really, really 
love Donald Byrd. Donald Byrd, yep. I was just listening to him. Fancy Free is one of my favorite albums ever. I love that. Donald Byrd, <clears throat> he's just, to me, he's the most soulful mm-hmm. player. Yeah. And so, you know, I could talk about, you know, this forever. But I, I don't mind. But, 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 but Miles is still, Miles is, he's, he's king. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, with his whole story and, and, you know, what he did to continue to evolve jazz, move it forward. You know, no one, no one could, can really touch that other than um, Pops. Yeah. I, I feel like Miles, was like the connector of everybody in jazz, right? Like I started to like, like I think Miles is the first person that I really became aware of. It was Miles, Bird, Coltrane, uh, Dizzy were the ones that like I started. And it's funny for me because it was like, I just love their names. So I was like, how can it, the dude's name is Dizzy? There's no way he's not, he's playing some whack stuff, right? I mean, come on, Miles Davis, Ella Fitzgerald, everybody has these great names, right? And um, and then I just started seeing that Miles, yes, he had an, a legendary career, but like he was bringing everybody with him. So Cannonball was coming up, John Coltrane was coming up with him. He played, you know, well, Dizzy and, uh, um, um, Charlie Parker sort of brought him into the, their band when he was 17. So that's kind of why I got really interested. Chick Corea. Chick Corea, all yeah. those cats, right? Right, but I'm like, you're kind of in the same boat where I'm always amazed when it's like a little kid, like you were 17, right? That's a, To me, it's a little kid, right? You're 17 and you're playing, you know, not necessarily at clubs in Queens, but you were playing with like adults um, out, right? When... There's there's not like a path, right? Like if you were on your path to be a doctor or an engineer and all that stuff, there's like a, a straight path. But you're just going, I just want to sit and play. And then somebody says, yeah, come up on stage and play, young man. And whether it's you, Tony Simmons, or that's how Miles started, where it was Miles came up in what, Chicago or somewhere in Chicago, right? St. Louis. Yeah, St. Louis, St. Louis, sorry. And then- Really, St. Louis, yeah. Right, but then he went, did he go to Chicago? He went somewhere and he just started. Yeah, he came to New York. Yeah, that was it. And he just started playing. And I'm always like, well, what? Like, dude just walked in and was like, hey, I got a trumpet and sat there until somebody brought him up on the stage. Like, how, how does that work? I know, it's, it's incredible. And, and, and I love that part of the culture. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever read um, his his like autobiography. Miles's? Yo. Yeah. It, well, first, Miles talks so much shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude was just on a whole other plane in that regard. And one of the things I love about what you're saying, Patu, is, uh, is, you know, when he, when Miles came to New York and, you know, rolled at Juilliard, mm-hmm. he really found his home up in Harlem at mm-hmm. clubs. And he would talk about, you know, sitting in on, on those jazz sessions. One of the funniest stories that he would talk about is that, you know, um, that was the way you you kind of, you know, got into the culture here. You yeah. know, you were an artist and a musician and you wanted to, you know, get your name known. You had to sit in those sessions. Yeah. He would talk about, but if you came in and your game wasn't tight, yeah, you will not just get, you know, take, you know, dismissed 
mm-hmm. you are very likely to get your ass whipped in the alley. Yeah. Like, for bringing that bullshit on the stage. <laughs> yeah. you know, it was literally like, yeah. you know, come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's real. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I feel like that is part of the, the sort of black experience about all of the stuff that we get good at, like where, wherever it is, like there's always an ass whooping if you don't do this right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, I've heard so many of those stories where it's like, even even our, our cat uh, Adam Rogers, who's a great jazz mu- um, jazz guitarist, he kind of had a story like that where it's like. You come on, even if you're a good guitarist, but you're not playing, you're not feeling what the the old cats are playing. They'll look at you like, "Get the fuck off of my stage before I kick your ass." You know what I mean? It's like, so I feel like that. You know, the the sense of danger means like, I, I think it's a great weeding out thing, right? So the whack trumpeter is not going to come for fear of an ass whooping. So your confidence must have been at a point where you're like, I can sit with these old men, even if, you know, even if they might kick my ass or make fun of me. I mean, it's about respect, right? Yeah, yeah, right. You know, for those guys, it's about like, hey, respect what got got us here. Yeah, yeah. You know, and what's gonna maybe get you here. And that's the way you, you maintain the integrity of the culture. Yeah. It's like they are literally guarding it. Yeah. I feel like like when you look at hip hop, you know, hip hop, you know, especially back in the day, because that was my other music that I used to love is like, you know, a battle. Right. You're going to come in and you better have your game tight because you might not just get your ass whooped, but you're going to get insulted for the rest of your life. People are going to remember when you came in with those whack bars. So like, it really makes you tighten up your game, which is like, I think it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a a thread that weaves through all of, I think at least the African-American experience in America, you know what I mean? But like back in Africa, it's the same thing. In Ghana, it's the same thing where it's like, don't come whack with this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't don't come with this whack drum or we gonna kick ass, right? Like amazing. And it's funny, you were talking about guarding the culture, <sighs> listening mm-hmm. to uh Quest Love's podcast, and he had mm-hmm. Robert Glasper on. And, oh yeah. And he was talking about Branford Marsalis mm-hmm. and how Branford Marsalis said that Robert Glasper and Kumasi Washington weren't real jazz musicians. Mm. And it's mm. and it's it's symbolic of what you're saying, where there's this level of him guarding the culture because it's the next generation, mm. or maybe the generation after his generation. You know, Bramford mm. been around for a minute, and and Glasper was talking about it. And he was all fired up, you know, and he's like, mm. "How are you can't? How are you going to tell me? You know, I have these Grammys, I have these records I've put out that you know because I do this other thing, which right. is interesting because it parallels a little bit of your story, how he blends hip hop with jazz with what he does. Mm. That he, you know, that you that he isn't actually a jazz musician. I don't know how anybody says that yeah. about Kamasi Washington personally, right. um, but it's interesting that you talk about that, and and I think it's really great the the idea about about how this is. Um, and we hear what's happening in my back. Um, we, we, I mean, we hear about um, uh, this sort of fire that we all need to have mm-hmm. uh, as as people of color, as even as even black men. That 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 through line of mm-hmm. you need to earn your right to do this because we've right. done this before you to get you here. Right. 
and don't fuck it up for the rest of us. <laughs> I guess. You know, so in short, when something happens on the news, it's bad. Don't let him be black. Don't let him. Yeah, be yeah. Black. <laughs> right. So, all right, you're, yeah. you're jamming. You're in high school. <clears throat> you you meet. I first of all, I didn't even know that story. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, I what one of the reasons I love doing these conversations is I love it when Otto goes nuts with something that the guest says. <laughs> And so, Tony, I know that you're a little bit competitive just based upon that story that you've told. You have to be based upon your history. I'm just going to say, TC had Otto doing a backflip at one point. Like, I thought he was going to hurt himself. You're off to a good start. (laughs) start. It's good. It's good, man. Please continue. So you're playing what, where, where are you? So you're in high school, you're, you're senior, you're driving around, you're, you are, um, you know, going to the city, playing gigs, meeting Louis Armstrong's wife which is insane. It's insane. Um, what, where did you go from there? And, and what, what time are we in the seventies, eighties? I graduated graduated August one, 78. Got it. Okay. So I think an important intersection in terms of being in high school at that time Mm -hmm. is the onset of hip hop. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, um, what's the name of the Netflix show? Uh, Oh, the one with your the one with your kid? No, 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 no. No, the no, one was like the on, onset of hip hop. Um, oh, oh, I know. I the, it's a series. It's a, um, a series. Yeah, I, I watched that. Um, I'm gonna forget. I'm yeah. gonna look it up. But, yeah, look it up. But that was me. Mm. Just in Queens, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was literally where. Um, I remember when they began to start to cut back on the music program. We still had a strong commitment at August Martin because it was so embedded. But, you know, there were a lot of things that were happening that was really crazy in public education that were beginning to get pulled back. Even my very school, August Martin High School, was this really interesting experiment in New York City public education where they decided to flip a old high school, Woodrow Wilson, into this new uh, configuration where they were going to take black and brown kids and teach them to fly airplanes. Oh, wow. August Martin was the first black commercial airline pilot. And they changed that in like 1972 or something. Mm -hmm. And um, because Woodrow Wilson was just this overcrowded, bad reputation, and you know, and they, they had some progressive-minded people that, wow. okay, well, let's let's flip this. Mm-hmm. And they went into a partnership with New York City Public Education, New York, New Jersey Port Authority, and Pan Am Airlines. Wow. To create this school, which was just like a, a, a rock throw from Kennedy Airport. Mm-hmm. And they literally taught us to fly airplanes. That, that's crazy. It was crazy. I remember I told my mom I wanted to go there, right? Uh-huh. Just real quick. And, um, and I said, because she knew always, I had a fascination with aviation. And um, and I told her I was going to fly there because they wanted, you know, I want to learn how to fly and they teach you to fly. She was like, oh, okay, okay. And I was like, Ma, I got in, you know, I'm going to go there. I'm going to learn how to fly. They teach you to fly right away in ninth grade. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And then I'm in there. I said, Mom, the gig. We're about to go flying and gave me this form and you need to sign it. And the form was this waiver. It basically was saying like, yes, your kid is going to fly airplanes and 
it could crash and he could die. And wow. <laughs> so she she took it right and mm. she treated it and she said, "The fools are really gonna let you fly." <laughs> <laughs> feeling this and I was like just like hey I've been telling you all along just what I yeah. want to do so yeah. literally ninth ninth grade <clears throat> we're we're in these simulators they bring us out to Farmingdale Long Island we're wow. at the public airport we're flying these Cessna 150s Piper mm -hmm. Piper 140s and and I'm loving it and but just like with music I mean to this day August Fawn exists but there's nothing that remains of the flight program mm. Yeah, um, and 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 that that begins to start to happen then. But you know, um, in our community, in our neighborhood, um, I always tell the story that I was there the day hip hop started. Wow, big every moment, big in. So first of all, I'm still in shock. Sure. You went to a school with an amazing music program that was a partnership between an airline. Yeah, uh, uh, the Port Authority and and the, and the DOE that and had a great music program. Yes. I just I just need to acknowledge that because yeah. what you're describing right now is private schools. I, was, I know. I was so I was so fortunate. I wish they would have found a way to maintain it. And so you you still know how to fly, or did you? You I mean you I mean I got my, I got my student pilot's license before I got my driver's permit. What? And, um, and I never went all the way. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go into the Air Force to to fly. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a whole other story. I didn't end up being able to fulfill that. Mm -hmm. But um but I could fly a plane right now. Wow. Basics of flight and and um and you know T C actually has a very similar story. He learned to fly and he actually Pursued it and, and and was able to get a multi-engine license. Something wow. I never was able to get. Yeah, so that, that was like a weird intersection with him, him, and and me in mm -hmm. that regard. But um, all right, so t I'm sorry. I, you need to talk about hip hop, but this is crazy. Like, <laughs> separate, and you, and especially full circle with what you do now and the school yeah. you have, and you keep planting all these seeds of all these things that that literally predicted what you do now with the program that you're involved in. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to jump ahead. I'm not going to jump ahead. No, it really prepared us. So, um, you know, every year I, I, I try, when I talk to my young people at HSRA, I tell them the story and my staff just roll their eyes when they do about, you know, I was there at the moment hip hop. Mm. So you guys are ready? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> so a lot of people think hip hop started in the Bronx, right? Mm -hmm. I think that. Mm -hmm. DJing started in the Bronx. You know, we know that, you know, Grandmaster, all those guys were incredible DJs. Yeah. And seeing my humble opinion mm -hmm. began in my boy's basement day after Christmas. Sometime circa nineteen mid 1970s. Oh yeah. So let me. So this is what it was. So it was the day after Christmas. My mm -hmm. boy had a was going to have a party in his basement. You know, we're in Queens. You know, basement parties. 
and the school's out, stay after Christmas, we're all down there, and we're playing all of the jams of the day, funk, you know, all of the, um, you know, what we were listening to back then. Yeah. What were you listening to? What were you playing? Well, you want to know? I mean, like, um, shoots. It, disco was big. Yeah. Um, funk was big. Mm-hmm. No, Fire, and, um, Donna Summers. Parliament was out. Parliament, yep. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all of that was, mm-hmm. you know, just the soundtrack of the day. So we're in the basement. And he has the regular, you know, kind of Panasonic uh, turntable with the blast, plastic thing to go yep. over. Yeah. But he had this one thing none of us had ever seen. He had this little plug-in where you could put the mic. Mm. And we weren't paying any attention, except that as the music was playing, dudes talking over the music. Uh-huh. So we're like jamming, you know, lights, blue, blue, blue lights, you know, having a good time, the music going on, you know, clowning each other. And he's like talking over the music. Right. We weren't impressed. We were pissed. He was fucking up the music. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, what are you doing? What is that? Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> I, got my, I got the girl, you know, I've been to driving, you know, and you yeah. messing up the whole vibe. Right? Yeah. But as the party's going on, you know, the next person, he's picking up the mic and talking. Then mm. I'm like, shit. I want to pick up the bike and hear my voice over <laughs> all the speakers over the music. Yeah. Before you know it, we're all like, you know, into this new experience of mm. to be a part of the music with the mic. Yeah. I remember going home that that night and waking up in the morning and saying to my mom, you know what I want? I want the new stereo where you can put the mic in and <laughs> you can talk over the mic. <laughs> and every party in a in the neighborhood from then on. That was the thing. Mm. And it started evolving to where, you know, it wasn't just, you know, just talking, you know, random. It started to have like a little, you know, like, and a little flow into the field. Yeah. We started having more organized parties, you know, cats were getting up and they were feeling themselves and, you know, a little bit of rhyme and a little bit of, you know, like that MC, you know, charisma. Yeah. At the same time, we're hearing about these cats in in the Bronx, Eddie Chiba and all these DJs doing this, you know, crazy parties too. And they're going to to Manhattan. And then we had this party at Springfield High School. Mm -hmm. All those cats were coming in. Yeah. We had some of the guys who have been throwing the parties as the MCs were the promoters bringing them in. And that's when the two merged. Wow. The MC with the DJ. Yeah. And I was there the moment it started. That's dope. Wow. That's, you know, I mean, I, 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 we were, you were referring to hip hop evolution, right? That, that, that Netflix show. Right. right, that series. And so, you see, again, 
I, I always wonder about this stuff. You know, I'm I'm I, I'm the guy on the podcast that's not the woo woo guy, right? So I'm like more like science and figures and all right. So like putting that equation together, right? The random chance that you're at this party, guy has a mic that that plugs into the back of uh, the 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 turntable, and then everybody starts talking, and then that turning into hip hop is like an incredible story of chance it's and and it makes me think well what if that guy didn't have or what if panasonic hadn't made that you know um feature available on their turntable for whatever reason because it seems like a random feature in the same way that you know a phone with a camera on it is a random feature like we you know 20 years ago, we were like, okay, my phone has a camera on it. I don't know why, but like, I'll just take a picture with my phone. But now it's the thing we all do. So like, I I love the way things come to fruition, right? And I love the, because that story is beautiful because now I'm looking at one of the progenitors of hip hop, you were there. And and what I wonder in that moment, just like the moment where you you held that flute for the first time with uh, Mr. Williams, did you know in that moment, it's not like you knew that, oh, this is the birth of hip hop, but did you, what was that like? What was that feeling like when you had, and you were just fucking around on the, the mic? What was that feeling like? Did you, I don't know, give give me a little more color on that. Do you know what I mean? Sure, sure. <clears throat> so it was, it's all based in, you know, teenage fun. Mm. Well, to say it was anything bigger than that. Yeah. Sincere. Mm-hmm. We were young. Yep. You know, we had um, access and opportunity to new technological features. Yeah. We we enjoyed each other's company. We we were doing things that was just a natural part of being young and trying out new shit. Yeah. And having fun. Yeah. And even as you know, those parties started to develop, and you know that. That merging of you know what was going on in the Bronx and the MCs of Queens and 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 even as that as that was building and, and, and growing, there was no sense that this was anything other than our shit. Right. This was just us doing us. Right. We weren't thinking that this was going to blow into anything. Right. And I remember when um, Rappers Delight hit on the radio. Mm-hmm. This was like about a year and a half after, or maybe even two years after the story I said. It was right. that fast. Yeah. Yeah, it was It was pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But I remember when, when it hit the radio, I remember saying to my friend, I was like, they got hit, you know, rap music on the radio? That shit ain't gonna last. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, you know, like, that's just us talking shit, you know, yeah. having fun. We're just yeah. hanging out. Like that ain't like, you know, the real music that's that we're listening to. <laughs> right. So that's just, you know, it at least I think if people were cast were honest now, like like maybe some of the true artists who were like embedding themselves in the music, they may have had a vision. Right. But those of us who were on the periphery, and I was yeah. a musician then. Yeah. I was playing miles. I was, you know, listen, yeah. you know, I had this richness of music to be hip hop was about me and Gerald and Fabian and all, us yeah. hanging out, having a good time. Yeah. It wasn't what I did when I t- 
took music lessons and you know you know engaged yeah. in, in that sense and, yeah. and I think you know the realness was that that was a that was a disconnect there to some extent right still very important but I, it was hard for me to see it being something that it eventually became at yeah. that point in time you know, um, and that probably didn't happen until I got into law school that I really began to see the seriousness of it. Okay, okay law school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, there's so many turns to this. Bro, like, dude is flying know. airplanes, he's playing jazz music, he's inventing hip-hop, and then he's like, yeah, law school. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Time Three out. Three Time out. Black horse gum. Yeah, damn, bro. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, what's interesting, um, and, and perhaps it's not even a question, but, you know, coming from a jazz background, and I'm sure you know the history of jazz better than I do, and how any of these music, any of these art forms came around, there must have been a point way back in the day, you know, with the Blues Cats, where somebody is just plucking on his banjo or whatever, and then at some point it comes on the radio and they're like, they're playing this, you know, it was just me with the at the juke joint, just, you know, yeah. messing around. And so that folk music, which is what jazz is, which is what blues is and what definitely a hip hop is, all comes from the same place. And I think that the in the nascent periods of those those art forms, it is just people coming together and communicating in a different way and finding the different things. And if you imposed the rules on it early that's probably would have killed it right if if the early jazz cats were like well this is how jazz is supposed to be played and we're only supposed to be played in this way and da 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 and then you know you all of a sudden there was like you know the school of the arts that just popped up to make the jazz jazz probably would have died right it's all of these explorations that have given us all these colors of jazz all these colors of blues and blues of course is what made rock and roll and so I, I love that notion. It's like these young people, they got they ain't got shit better to do. They're bored, trying to get girls, trying to get guys. Hey, let's pick up this mic and start. Ah, uh, let's make it rhyme. Let's let's put a beat on. Let's get a break beat going. All right, cool. Oh, yeah, have it, have it, have it. Oh shit, we can do that. We can throw that on the record. And I think that that's the thing, connecting it back to education because. You guys are educators as well, or I'm feeling that you're an educator because you got that that vibe on it. Um, I, I think that's what we're sort of missing because what you kind of started off this conversation with the play part, right? Like you said, when you were in kindergarten, you were playing, like you were being fully creative, you were playing, and then suddenly they put a blackboard and you're like, oh shit, I gotta sit here and do this, right? But there's what's missing in that part because you can do this with math, you can do this with science. It's not just the arts where you invent that space of playing such that the kids don't have to know that they're learning something, right? They just have to know that they're just sort of trying to experience something and explore something and come up with their ideas about it. And I think that's what we're missing now. That's when we're talking about Ronald Reagan cutting programs because they're not realizing that this is the these are the jewels and what creates this sort of world of these brilliant artists and these brilliant explorers that figure out where we are in the universe and keep exploring, giving us more and more of these gifts. And that's just me on my, you know, my soapbox just ranting about like the state of the world these days, because it's like, 
we should do more of that, right? I love, I love that you're bringing this up. <clears throat> First of all, it ties into that the the story I brought up about Branford Marcel is talking about Robert Glasper. The mm. idea of once you're imposing, this is where you sit. Right. This is, and there's a level of that to music, and there's that's the tension of music, mm-hmm. especially yeah. jazz music, where it's just mm-hmm. like. You do. I mean, you do have written music, and it tells you what key you're in, and yeah. you're and you're you know you're within a traditional Western scale. So there are notes that work and notes that don't work, and people play around with different things. If you're going to talk about Sun Ra or, or even sketches of Spain, which I think you brought up on an earlier podcast, where you mm-hmm. play in different keys or different mm-hmm. you know, different modal um, configurations, right. but. I love the I, I love the analogy that you pointed out about um, or the sort of scenario that you've highlighted of the creativity coming through play, mm-hmm. and, and and once you um, are trying to uh, uh, limit what that process looks like, mm-hmm. when something dies, and this is and this is going to be we don't have to go down this road or we can a little bit later on, is the idea of people saying this is jazz, this isn't jazz. This right. Is punk. This isn't punk. This is right. You know. The, you know. Whatever. Whatever the, the genre of music is. Once people start saying that, is that the beginning of the death of that art form? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really powerful, and <clears throat> I think that really is the foundation to recognizing and respecting and appreciating what we experienced at um, TC Studio Studio Four when those mm-hmm. started showing up. Mm-hmm with that sense of creativity and need for space and opportunity to explore mm-hmm. that wasn't being provided to them in, in any kind of other educational setting, right. educational setting. But I just wanted to say this really quick, <clears throat> going back a little bit, I would be remiss if I didn't say that when I was in high school, we were playing a lot of straight ahead jazz, but, um, Michael, you mentioned Chick Corea and, you know, rest in peace. He just passed away. But, um, you know, I listened to a lot of music, but I, I just recently I tweeted after he passed that uh, during high school, my closest friends and I would geek out. We were total Chick Corea return to forever geeks. Mm. When we were just like us musicians and good mm-hmm. friends, right. we talked music. We were on this jazz fusion shit, like right, yeah, yeah. and yeah. It, it was just to us, it was like intellectual crack music, <laughs> you know. It just pushed pushed us and 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 gave us this 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 put us in this place where um, I think it really also goes to the whole aspect of the continuing play of being in this world of music where. It was it was just beyond reach, but it was something you just wanted to grab and just mm-hmm. trying to understand the complexities and, and and you know how how you know the crazy scales and and, and, and interaction between you know Al Demiola and Stanley Clark. Al Demiola, yeah. You know those guys. It, I just had to say that because you know um, Chikoria was just such a beautiful musician um, and. You know, we're talking about music, and I just wanted to give a full breath of, you know, um, um, everything that I and and my and my my friends were exposed to that mm. contributed to, you know, where we're at, where I'm at now. You know, I'm right. still a product of that. Yeah. And, 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 um, Are and you love, still? 
are you still playing music? Are you still making it yourself? I know we. I, I see the the trumpets and I, I see at <laughs> yeah, least two of them back there. So I know. <laughs> Not even in the cases. Like yeah, uh, he's that, about to snatch those up. That's <laughs> that's when you up. know he's real. That's when yeah. you know he's real. So so and what I is your? After you got you too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, music is something, you know, I, I didn't pursue it like you guys did. You know, I didn't study it and all that stuff, but it's been a part of my life. I can't imagine myself without music. That's why I'm always asking that question, like when you discovered music for the first time or whatever your art artistry is. I mean, I remember when I discovered music the first time and um, for me, it didn't necessarily lead me to playing instruments already. You know what I mean? I, I did take piano lessons i did play the violin and all that stuff but it was us it was just the only magic i believe in right because i i still don't understand how humans hear you know at least in the west in the western sort of thought of music that there's these 12 tones that just keep repeating as you go up and down they don't you know it's just 12 of them they don't there's not a 13th 14th or 15th one you know what i mean and so and then we hear beats and we hear music and we hear um, um, time signatures and all that stuff. And, and that's just like magic to me. Um, so when I talk to musicians like you guys, I'm always like, so the, the question I have for you, Tony, is like when you were developing as a trumpeter and what, where you are now, is there a, a tone you're chasing? Is there a, a, a thing that you're chasing musically that like you kind of mentioned it just now? Um, that you have achieved or that you're trying to achieve? Is there something that is eating at you that you're trying to sort of bring out of your trumpet or whatever instrument you're trying to use at that in the, in the moment? Wow, what a powerful question. <clears throat> I think that gets really deep. I think, I think there's a, a sense of uh, spirituality to it, mm -hmm. trying to achieve, which means, you know, you never fully achieve it. Um, you know, I think of Coltrane and, mm. you know, all that he was doing in his evolution and, and the fact that, um, you know, it's a, it's a process of really connecting yourself with, you know, your higher power and, mm -hmm. and, 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 and answering those questions about like, who are you, you know, mm -hmm. what's your purpose, mm -hmm. um, I think when you think about music and <clears throat> connecting it to like even what I was hearing when we were in high school and how, you know, Chikoria and what those guys were doing, you know, pushed us because we didn't fully understand it then. Mm -hmm. You know, it right. was it was it was something that but yet it was something that we knew we wanted to reach out to. Right. We wanted to better understand it. Right. And, and you know, when, when Miles, you know, um, um, you know, just right around, this, you know, um, time when Miles went into, you know, Bitches Brew and, and Brew. doing all that he was doing, mm -hmm. uh, it, it really made music be something that was much more than just something to do than a sense of being mm. and that continues to this day there mm -hmm. is no end to that journey there is no dot at the end of the sentence right mm. it's a constant quest mm. and I, I think the only thing i would add to that it's interesting how you described it like you know you hear the notes you hear the rhythms and and all of that and 
I, I, know, I know personally when uh, at this point, you know, because you also talked about how you hear music when you're younger versus how you hear it now. And there's, for all of us, there's songs we've been listening to for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And then you'll hear it playing, you're like, oh, I understand how that fits together now. I understand where that lyric comes from. I understand how that change happens. Mm-hmm. You know, and part of it is what you're learning about music or songwriting. Um, but part of it is um, your perspective on the world and, and having it and feeling it in a different way. Because, you know, similar, similar to Tony's story, I remember when I went to Catholic school in the Bronx and we had this music teacher and our guy was a Broadway guy, also black guy, mm. you know, and we would do these huge productions and, and, I, and it was Catholic school. So it was very regimented what you're talking about. So everybody get up and you need to sing, you know, do re mi. And I, I'll tell, I know I told you, told you the story. So it's like, we did it in class and everybody's embarrassed. I was in third grade. And then this music teacher later on, um, in my sister's music class, he was like, oh, is, is Quaka your brother? Oh, he's got the best voice I've heard uh, in, you know, whatever amount of time. Wow. And this is, I didn't even think of myself as, I'm in third grade, so you don't think of yourself as a singer or a musician. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, except if you're Tony, because <laughs> you're a prodigy. Um, but the point was, I didn't think of, I didn't think <clears> of it in terms, but it was just something, I just, I didn't even think I was even singing. I was just mm-hmm. reacting. And I think there's an element of, of just feeling it you know, when people talk about, oh, I'm not feeling this, I am feeling this, or, mm-hmm. or oh, there's a vibe, or this is a vibe. There's this other thing, this, and and it's like we've been talking around it a little bit. Maybe part of it is because I was I went to this Afrofuturism thing the other day, which I email, I think I emailed you about, Atu. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this, there is this, um, the spiritual part to it that ties the math together. Mm-hmm. You know, because earlier I was saying, Tony, oh, you should be into math because you know because you're into music. There's so much of it where it's like you you feel when it's right, but then it also locks in with the, the, the algebra that is music. And that's mm-hmm. that spiritual part with the, the science part, the Otto, that, that, you, that you were talking about. That is that magic that we right. can't explain, but we feel it when it's right. Right, right. It's like when a character is right for me, there's no sort of explanation behind it. It just feels right. And it just kind of flows out of my mouth or my body or whatever. And I can't really explain why that one works over the, the one that didn't really work for me, but I had to kind of work on, do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I wonder what that is and how to quantify that and, and how to sort of um, promote that as a way of teaching our children right i mean I, and i think that's what leads you le- leads to uh studio four and what you and tc are doing because i feel like you're bringing in um kids to sort of like give them that playground to find that it's not i, I don't feel like you and tc um are going all right if you come in here you're gonna be a musician you, you you're gonna be a, a studio engineer and that's your path and you don't look any other way. It's almost like you're giving them a playground to like explore. And then maybe they become a mathematician after that because of the way they connected sound and the way that Kwaku just explained. I can't explain it, Tony can't explain it, but that's just what the the inspiration that they came out or they become the the next Kendrick Lamar or whatever it is, you know what I mean? And so that's, that's my way of segueing into how did you get involved with Studio Four and TC and all of that stuff? Oh, there's stuff before that. 
oh, oh, there's stuff. Oh, okay. There's, there's, that's what I'm saying. This is, this is the two part. Yeah, because he I did drop the law part. Yeah, sorry, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, yeah. And and I just want to jump this in really quickly for the people who haven't heard the episode with TC. Mm-hmm. Tony and TC started the high school for recording arts, which is, and Tony, you can add on to this, this amazing um, uh, high school sp- or spaces now because there's multiple locations. Mm-hmm. And I know last time I heard you guys were working on a third one as well. Um, mm-hmm. But this amazing space where students go to high school and their learning process is couched in the playground of music and whether mm. promotion, production, songwriting, instrumentation, um, and they f- and between them and their staff, um, shout out to Michael Lipset as well. Um, they, between them and their staff, they find ways to help kids make those connections to learning through the playground of music. Mm. So I just want to make sure people have context. For, yeah, 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 like this thing that we're that we're talking around or yeah. talking about. Um, so, uh, as Otto said, you went to law school? <laughs> <laughs> Hold up. I did. And, and, um, and just to kind of build on what you were saying about the school, um, you know, my, my intersection with David was really, um, that happened because he was such a visionary and I was just so moved with his story and, 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 you know, what he was experiencing in terms of his community, because I can, you know, I'm from New York and uh, I'll get to the story, but now, you know, I'm in St. Paul through his invitation and seeing what's going on in the community, you know, in terms of like the universe brought me there really to support his vision, mm. really was to bring you know, my experiences, the knowledge I have gained, um, you know, all of the things that I learned to, you know, um, support him in his incredible vision. And it's just been a beautiful partnership since then where, you know, I, I think we just complement each other. You know, we bring, you know, different personalities, different, you know, uh, uh, um, skill sets and, and it's just been able to work as we, build this community with our young people, with their families, with people in our community, and with incredible educators locally and nationally. You know, we always talk, we're like a remix. You know, we, there's probably nothing really that new that we have created, um, but, you know, we, 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 we do just like a great DJ, you know, yeah. and great parts and putting it into this, you know, um, beautiful, but you know I, I, just to kind of i'll fast forward so i went to i went to college at Howard mm-hmm. university i went down to dc and um, i didn't want uh, my i didn't major in music i majored in political science and that was because there was some moment as I was hanging out in New York and being amongst some phenomenal musicians. Mm-hmm. And I was always good at, you know, social studies, I always had an interest in politics and history and stuff. That was always in part of, you know, the other part of my interest. Music was definitely at the front, but as I was meeting these cats, I just thought realizing that. One, 
I could I could never imagine myself being as good as they were. Oh. These musicians were just like phenomenal. And I was just like, how could I ever be that good? So that was a little self-doubt. Mm-hmm. But I'll just be 100 right now, honest, and say, and they were all broke. <laughs> and I was like saying to myself, I was like, if I can't imagine being as good as but if I put everything I can to try to be, right. and the end is that these guys' lives, they're struggling. Yeah. What is Tony's plan B? <laughs> mm, got it. Oh, got that's it. some self-awareness too. Yeah. So I went yeah. with plan B. A chicken, mm. I'll be the first to admit that. But I did make a pact with myself that music was always going to be me. Mm-hmm. But I was going to explore this other career Right. Hopefully the music could somehow come out at some point in some way. Yeah. I thank God that I was able to eventually happen. Right. But through, through my time at Howard, I really had the chance to just be among some incredible minds in terms of you know, just you know, history and, and politics and, mm-hmm. and, you know, understanding the issues of the day. Um, I had the chance to um, work at Capitol Hill. Um, just a whole other story. I, I got to meet. Damn, brother! I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 keep Black going. I just dumb. Black <laughs> horse dumb. That's damn. So I got to be. I got to uh, work with Senator Kennedy, and when he ran for president, his youngest paid campaign worker at the time. I think I was like 19, and then when he dropped out of running for president, he invited me to be an intern with him in, in the Senate office. So I was a Senate intern with him there. And that just gave me this whole other experience of, of just, you know, governance at its highest level and just access to that power base. And, and then all of the activism that was happening on campus at Howard and, mm-hmm. and being involved in student government and, and their pleasure, my fraternity and, and and I became the president of my um, my fraternity. Um, Were you Alpha? Kappa. Come Kappa. On. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, don't no, beat me no. up. Don't beat me up. Don't, don't, be, don't be mad at all. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it civil here, guys. My, actually, my other father uh, was Alpha. Oh, got it. He pledged at um, the Doom Cookman in Daytona Beach, Florida. And he kind of wanted me to go to Alpha or Alpha. Okay. Kappa's in the yard. So, I, <laughs> wow! I, I, it, 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 it just was what it was. Got it. Got <laughs> it. I'm, I'm gonna say no more. <laughs> but um, but I'm just saying all that to say that's what led me then to you know this you know whole other story. I do working with uh, Senator Kennedy. I met a uh, city councilman for D.C. I started working with him. He ran for mayor. I, um, he was the city councilman at large. So all of that was just, you know, building up in me. And eventually I applied to law school. I did mm-hmm. transfer my last year back to New York, to Pace University, where I actually graduated from. Mm-hmm. Because my family just needed me to be there to help out with some family stuff. Yeah. So I, in, in, the, in the day, I worked at a law firm. And at night, I went to Pace. Um, you know, it was great commuter school for that and allowed mm-hmm. me to be at home and help support the family. 
Yeah. Um, and then I applied to law school. I went to Rutgers. And, oh, yeah. and while at Rutgers, um, that's when all of it came back together because now, you know, that mu- that that prediction I made that hip hop's ain't going nowhere. <laughs> like, you know, we're just clowning, you know, trying to have a party, you know, listen yeah. to the radio. By the time I got to law school, in like the mid eighties, it was blowing the fuck up. (laughs) So, so two of my other buddies, you know, there weren't, you know, there weren't many, um, black students, but, um, two, um, connect, you know, we all kind of connected together and, oh, hold on one second. Yeah. Yes, honey. Breakfast is not ready yet, but give me a little while and I'll get, I'll get, I'll get, (laughs) okay. I love you. Oh, that, <laughs> that is was so real. real. <laughs> She's like, I love you too, but what's up with the man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, maybe there's a part two to this, but still. Um, so by then, hip hop's blowing up. My friends are starting um, working at record companies, mm. starting production companies. Mm-hmm. Artists want to get contracts. And they're like, yo, Tony, you in law school, G. Yeah. <laughs> you know, tell me what this, what's up with this contract. Yeah. And, and two of my boys in, in my class with me, we started Entertainment Law Society at Rutgers. And we literally started, you know, like daytime. We were in school. You know, Rutgers is, the law school's in Newark. Yeah. Man, nighttime was the right time. We were in the city. Man. <laughs> we, we, we were living the hip-hop life. Wow. We had some, you know, currency. We were in law school. Yeah. From the culture. These were our boys who were coming up. Wow. So we started like doing their contracts, you know, hanging out. You know, it, it was just the hip hop life. Yeah. And um, and so from there, um, when I graduated, you know, I, I my first job was um, I was an assistant DA in Brooklyn. And that was important to me because my father was a cop. Right. And like I said, he had gone through some horrific um, Mm -hmm. situations. And going back to Brooklyn and being the chief law enforcement officer over those fucking fucked up cops was just something I wanted to do. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Honor to my dad. Yep. Wow. So so I so I did that for a bit, but you know, um, my heart wasn't really in prosecution. I really wanted to learn how they thought, and then I did criminal defense for another like seven years. But all through that, even when I was in the DA's office and prosecutor's office, um, even though we had a no moonlight rule, like you couldn't do anything else, you know, mm-hmm. I was still in Manhattan that night. <laughs> <laughs> I love I'm, it. I still have my secret clients on the side. I was. I love you know, it. Doing it. And that eventually led me to being at a music conference. I had a good friend from college. His name's Chico Gibbs. He was working at Epic Records, mm-hmm. and um, and he um, he was uh, he he you know he was just promoting a lot of like the artists at that time who were you know signed to to Epic, and it was Columbia Records at the time. And he who were some of the artists. He had like Candyman. I don't know if you remember. Candy. Oh yeah, yep. I remember Candyman. Yeah, a singer named Niobe. Uh, yep. 
Um, Sade was signed to it at the time. Later, um, uh, I, some more will come to me, but you know, he had a nice roster, but at the same time, he was also working at the urban league and you remember the song self-destruction. Yeah. He actually, uh, was the, one of the main producers of that in a video. And what self-destruction you headed for self-destruction oh that song was the jam wow oh, everybody was in that everybody everyone yeah. i'll tell you another quick story so at the, yeah. at the release party for self-destruction right i'm at it and um you know it's like just like everybody's there you know the, the video had dropped it was a lot of fun yeah so we're all in there and um and there was just like cute little honey like you know kind of, you know like puerto rican looking and i you know i moved up on her like mm -hmm. start talking to her she's kind of halfway paying any attention to me but I'm right. persistent. so we started dancing we're dancing all night yeah i'm thinking she's feeling me you know it's having a good time so i'm yeah. like and party's over i'm like yo we should stay in touch you know we should and she was like yeah you know um, I could, but I got a flight in the morning to LA. I'm like, oh, really? She oh, said, she is said, this Rosie? How did you know? No. Dude, come on, man. <laughs> but wait, wait, I forgot one Sorry. part of the story because yeah. I want to show you some of my game. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. At the time, I, I forgot. I should have said this from the beginning. I recognized who she was. Uh huh. But she was just in the movie to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And this is how I came to it with my game. I was like, you know, um, Vincent Canby, I think that was his name in the New York Times was writing an article about who didn't get a nomination for Academy Award. Mm. And he mentioned you. She said, you read that? I was like, yeah, I read that. And I totally agree with him. <laughs> so anyway, so she said she was getting on the flight in the morning. I was like, man, she, she said, yeah, I'm going to be on some new show. I'm going to like be a dancer and all of that. So I'm really excited about it. It's like, well, what's the show? She said, I think it's called like In Living Color. Or something. <laughs> That's crazy. That's hey, crazy. Yeah. That's just beautiful. Fun, just fun time. So yeah, <laughs> just, a little, just casual, you know? Yeah. But anyway, so Chico um, was a part of uh, uh, a conference called Impact. And I don't know if you remember that impact was like all the mom and pop, uh, mainly stores. American. Excuse me. Was it like the record stores, mom and pop? Record right? stores, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, 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 um, and local radio stations, you know, they would meet. So they had a um, <clears throat> conference in Atlantic City. And I went with him and we're chilling there and we're in the, the lobby, the lounge and Chuck D is sitting there, this girl named Maureen Singleton. She had this group that she had put together um, later. Um, she finally was able to call them SWV. What? Um, it was this new group out of Philly. These guys were all dressed in this Argyle called Boys to Men. They were there. Nobody hadn't even been released yet, you know, but they were, you know, because this, this was the place where, you know, when you got a buzz, you come because you yeah. get it promoted. And sitting at the table with us, was David T.C. Ellis. Uh -huh. so I'm just sitting, I'm just sitting next to him. You know, Chico's there, Chuck D's there, Maureen's yeah. there, we're drinking, you know, it's the bar, blah, 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 blah. So I'm sitting there today. I was like, so, you know, um, 
he asked me who I was. And I tell him, you know, who I was. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, I'm from St. Paul and, um, you know, I grew up with Prince and I've put out, I'm putting out, I've just put out my album. So I'm here, I'm promoting it. And when he said Prince, I didn't hear anything that he said after that. <laughs> I just saw his lips move. <laughs> this, this is like the early 90s. Prince yeah. is motherfucking king. Like right with Michael Jackson. It's yeah. like Prince Michael Jackson. Yeah. And this motherfucker's telling he grew up with him and he's like produced his album. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Oh yeah. And he's telling me all these crazy stories. Man, we're up until three o'clock, three thirty in the morning. Uh, wow. Finally, it's gotten so late. We're like, yo, we just need to stay in touch. But, you know, it's time to get some sleep, blah, blah, blah. So we're walking towards our rooms, right? We're in the Bali, Bali Hotel. Mm-hmm. Probably a thousand rooms. Mm-hmm. We're walking, we're talking, we're walking, we're talking. Then finally, we're like, oh, yeah, okay, man, we'll, see, we'll stay in touch, blah, blah, blah. And we realize our rooms are right next door to each other. Wow. Mm-hmm literally next door to each other wow and we were just like whoa what wow. does this mean yeah 25 years later <laughs> <laughs> you know what it meant wow i'm so mad at you right now because you came up through my favorite periods of music from the jazz, right? You study jazz, one of my favorite forms of music. You were there at the birth of hip hop. You're kicking it to Rosie Perez. You're, you're, you're chilling with our dude TC. Like, I'm, I, I don't know what to do with you right now. I'm just like mad at you, man. And you have, you can fly an airplane. I right. mean, <laughs> you know, like, who are you, bro? Esquire. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I know I keep saying Black Forest Gump, and I'm not saying it like in the way that like Forrest Gump was like funny. I'm saying the way that you watch that movie or you read the book, and he's had all these experiences, and you're like, all right, this can't be true at a certain. Yeah, point. yeah. <laughs> oh, then he worked with yeah Ted, Ted Kennedy. Kennedy. Just on the humble. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just you know, my boy Ted Kennedy, legendary yeah. senator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I was challenged. I need to. What how did you say, Marco? I need to flip him. Yeah, you need you know the backflip. <laughs> like, I'm trying, trying. I measure it in the mo- in the shock moments that. No, that I <laughs> no I've been shot several times. Um, Damn. All right, so I I'm gonna say this. This is definitely going to be. This might actually be our first three parter. <laughs> um. So what I what because I know that everybody's running low on time. I know your daughter has to eat. My kids are. <laughs> They're they're building a bomb in the background. I don't know what. <laughs> got some plans, you know. So, um, I'm gonna say for this end, for this part, I'm, I wanna I wanna I want I want you to share a little bit more. Can you? Why don't we get into a little bit more of like uh, your music business experience? Sure. And then we're gonna wrap it there, and then we're gonna we're gonna bring you back because I want to hear your version of HSRA and then get into what you're into now. You mm. know, like there was stuff mm. like even the the commandments thing that you shared with me. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna find another slot because there's way too much. I mean you're Man. sharing all these stories and we're not even getting into the stories. What so much to share. I'm mad um, at this cat. Mad. 
Oh man! And the thing is, Otto is keeping amazing people on, so I had to I had to step up. And, Shit. You know, you know, I need to say this too, because growing up, um, I'm saying it's been a blessed life and it's a blessing meeting both of you and, and being able to reflect on all of this. But I'm also a product of the church too. You know, I grew up mm. in a Baptist church, but in that music too, that's yeah. sense of spirituality also, you know, is a part of who I am. Mm. And, and I know it's part of the blessings that I've been given to be able to have the experience that I've that I've had and to give back in the way that I, I try to. So I just wanted to uh, express that. Oh, that is much appreciated. Just, just because, you know, uh, I think we all forget that, for, that, that giving back. It's like you got to a place, we've all been standing on the shoulders of our, you know, our past and our elders and all that stuff. And like somebody having that sort of a, the temerity to understand that and to do it in such a direct way, especially with what you're doing with TC, but also every your whole vibe coming up through this whole damn episode seems to have been about that, like getting the sort of the gifts and then giving them to other people because we're not all really in competition here, right? If you're great, I'm going to be great too, right? It's like, it's not me against you and Kwaku. It's like all of us, there's enough to go around. So like, let me find your greatness and you help me find mine and I'll do the same for Kwaku and just like, let's all hold hands and get through this. So I, that part, you, I, I'm never going to argue with anybody with that kind of, you know, attitude. That's just dope, man. Oh, man. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, all right, so Tony. Holler at us, man. So you're, you know, you're kicking it with Boys to Men, SWV, TC for like eight and a half hours. And then... I get so weak. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. That's I've actually never heard you sing on the show, so that's amazing. <laughs> um, so where where did where did your like how did you how did you progress into this next career? Like where where did it go from that conference? Well, you know, I was still. Doing... A number of different things. I was still practicing law in a very, you know, non-entertainment law sense too. I was doing criminal. I was doing some, some small business, corporate. I was doing. Uh, um, I had opened up a coffee shop. Uh, you know, so I had a little entrepreneurial thing. So I was right about the barista. That's why I, I was. I need to. You, you exactly. weren't. You weren't. You were close. That's what I'm saying. That's how I know you cheated because of how. Man. <laughs> You're right. And you know, we we had some incredible like slam poetry events going mm. on. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was in Newark at the time. But um, saying all that to say, you know, it was. I was just. I was doing a lot of different things. But mm. music, I was getting drawn more and more in, into music, and music was the place that I found. You know, my, I felt my soul was being fed in the best. Yeah. So, you know, Chico <clears throat> provided an opportunity for me to, you know, um, be in the midst of the music business and bringing my training and skills in that space was just, was just beautiful. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's still right now with, um, um, in the music business with Def Jam. He's, in fact, he signed one of my, my um, students graduated oh wow um, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that later but um so you know meeting david though was <clears throat> when all of it really kind of came together in a way that propelled me to 
have that be the focus point of the work that I was doing. Right. Um, at the time, you know, um, he and I became, you know, just good friends. He started bringing me out to Minnesota. I mean, it was just incredible, man. I'm like in the midst of Prince and, and the Minneapolis sound. Man. And this is like the mid nineties. It was just yeah. magical. Can you share a Prince story for Otto? Because Otto's heard of Prince. <laughs> so, well, let me just say this. I, I never had a sit down conversation with Prince, but I had definite moments in his, in his space. Yeah. And it was always, always special. It's just mm. incredible. But Prince, was, <laughs> what kind of story you want to hear? I can tell you all kinds of stories. And, uh, any Prince story is a good Prince story. <laughs> so I'm going to say something that maybe, I've been joking about him having heard of Prince. Otto was a bit of a, when, when Prince passed away, the first person I called was Otto. Yeah, that that's my all time greatest. Uh, I mean, of all time, yeah, yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so one, I guess one quick story. I'll I'll give the the most uh, family friendly story. Uh, <laughs> was um, we were in Chicago and they were uh, gonna have a concert. At, uh, is it the Chicago Theater? I think it's called. Mm -hmm that classic ornate <clears throat> theater. <clears throat> and I'm there with David and Prince, they're doing their sound check on the stage. And, you know, David and Prince always have this weird kind of love-hate relationship. <laughs> so I'm backstage, I'm talking to David. I'm like, David, shouldn't you be out sound check? He's like, oh man, fuck that. that you know, <laughs> so we're talking, right? So, so, Prince, so Prince is on the stage, you know, doing something, and David's talking, I'm talking to him, and he's walking. And then I realized we're literally now on the stage, and we're walking right in, like, in the middle through the sound check. What? And David's talking, and then I'm looking around, and then I look at Prince, and Prince is giving us the death stare. <laughs> Like, I'm gonna like, cut you. Get the fuck off. Oh my like, god! Like, like, what the fuck are y'all doing? Yeah. Like, David, David. He's like, what? What? I was like, I don't do what you wish to be out here. You know? Yeah. And he was like, oh man. And then Prince, you know, did something. But this is the the whole point. When it was over, I was like, Prince stared at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that shit was great. <laughs> I literally disrupted Prince. Like, oh my God. Not to make direct I tell my grandchildren about this. No. <laughs> no. Dude. Okay. All right. Oh, right. Say, yeah. We're going to pause it there. Right. You're gonna pause it there because uh, next time I'll tell how Prince um, tried to steal my girlfriend, but that would be a oh, that, oh man. <laughs> so we, oh okay because or I yeah. he may have, what happened? <laughs> Wait, say that again, Tony. Or he may have, but she just didn't. <laughs> I'm going with the ladder, bro. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. Wow. That is. 
Oh man, okay, that is yeah. uh, that is as as big a, a clip. We'll, we'll, we'll save that one. We'll save that one. Yeah, I, say, I don't even know if we we'll get to do it, but you know, off off air or off podcast, I want to hear the other stories, the the non family friendly ones. <laughs> you know, because yes. you know, not that this is a family show, but you know, yeah. there's stuff you can share publicly and stuff that you can just share with Otto and I. Right, right. <laughs> and I'll let you all decide if it's appropriate. Ooh, yeah. Okay. All right. That is a that's a cliffhanger. Uh, and Tony, so I'm, I mean, I'm glad you're able to make today work. And I'm going to work with Otto and see like how quick we can turn you around within the within uh, the the guest tree or whatever you want to call that we have going on because I I need for you to continue this conversation. I learned so right. much about you. Yeah. Otto talks about this all the time. How you have you bring people on. You're friendly with them, but then when you're in this context, because it's great, we try to create this space where you feel comfortable talking about yourself, which no one ever really gets to do in a comfortable way. Mm-hmm. You get to know your friends on a deeper level. Yeah. And so I just wanted I just want to name that and to thank you for making the time to, you know, share with us today because I've not only learned so much about you, but just learned so much about um how um how I how I relate to you in ways that I didn't even realize, mm. you know how we have, have you know been touched in similar ways by music, by education, um, by Charles and, Williams. Yeah, by Char- man, I'm Charles yeah. Williams. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, but I just I just appreciate you sharing all that all that wisdom and and um, just sharing so much of you. Mm. Thank you. Well, thank you for allowing me to do so. Uh, like I said, it's you know, it's been a it's been a blessing to have had the opportunities that I've had and um, meet the people I've met and continue to provide something of value to my community and but having this space to reflect on all of that. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I just want to piggyback on that. I mean, you're coming back. You have to because this is not done. But um, again, I'll just piggyback on what uh, Kwaku said is like learning about it and like getting inspired to want to do stuff even more than you're already doing and just sitting here for an hour and a half with you. I'm already like, damn, all right, what can I do? You know what I mean? Um, and so I, I think that's the, the thing that I get out of Radio Zamunda is like the way we all sort of inspire each other and the ideas that you give me, I'm stealing a lot of the stuff that you already told me. So, you know, I'm going to apologize in advance. Um, and yeah, like we got to get you back on here, man. That's, that's, Anytime. that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. the next time I'll give you more notice so you can make sure your daughter's fed first. <laughs> <laughs> That's on me. I should have got out of bed earlier. But. <laughs> we're all the same way. We're all, I mean, yep. this, this, is the, yep. this is the three time zone thing. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Texting me like, hey, you ready? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with that said, man, yes, who sir. are you with the uh, Yankees hat on? You got to represent. My name is Kwaku and who are you? I'm Otto, and this is Radio Zamunda, the dope shit. Every and, time. and every time, and who have we had the pleasure to be graced with at this point? The amazing. Oh, see, I have, I'm not. I, do you hear that, Tony? That's one of your cousins over there. It's flying over. <laughs> what kind of plane is that? <laughs> the amazing. The dynamic. The pilot. The lawyer. The musician. The educator. Slash. 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 The, the 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 inspirational uh, community leader. 
the, the one and only Mr. Tony Simmons. Thank you, brother. All right. You guys. Here, have a great rest of the week. so much to life when you just stay black and die. in the nighttime sky, I best start in July. Blacker than the seed in the blackberry pie. Blacker than the middle of my eye. Black like Fela, man cry. So man want ask who am I? I simply reply that you and I. B-E-R-S-A-L magnetic. Work to respect the angelic. Climb the mountain top and tell it to the valleys enveloped. You're full of big chat, but you're not no me. I'm dark like the side of the moon you don't see when the moon shine newly. You know who else is a black star? Who? Me. You know who else is a black star? Who? Me. You know who else is a black star? Yeah, I'm mad at him, like I said. You know, there's there's a lot there. Um, I'm peeling that apple. Is, uh, I'm peeling that <laughs> onion. <laughs> I'm just... Here's the thing, too. Like, there's other stuff that I know about yeah. that he hasn't said. Yeah. But then there's all this other stuff that I didn't know. Like, yeah. I didn't know the Kennedy piece. Yeah, and he just cumble drop that in. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, so post, post, uh, uh, and I forget the incident where, where he decided not to run anymore at Kennedy. He's like, yeah, right. and then, you know, I did a little bit of politics and then, you know, I moved into the music industry. Yeah. Just like everyone does. <laughs> you know, just, just like that. I right? love that. Yeah. Is that weird? In between yeah. flying planes and playing one of the hardest uh, instruments ever. Cool. Yeah. 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 Oh, and I kicked it to Rosie Perez too. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Forgot about that. Yeah. 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 Interrupted Prince's sound check. Yeah. <laughs> it was a Tuesday. <laughs> I love it. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah. Uh, but, so this is, I'm going to say, this is like, this is, this is going to be a quick outro because this isn't done because we're not even getting in. We are not even going to get into the concepts yet. The right. idea of, of the spirituality of music, all the connections that he made, the playing, all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say that's end, end. Um, but we're just going to do this. We're just going to do this little, this little teaser piece here because mm-hmm. we need to hear about how Prince took his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and then hear about the amazing work he's doing with HSRA. Yes, sir. You know. All right. Got so, we we've got our work cut out for us. So with that being said, who are you? I'm Otto, and who are you? I'm Kwaku, and this is Radio Zamunda, the dope shit. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening. Peace. Peace. Peace.